Welcome to Intersect, where church meets culture. I'm Betsy Desch, and I am joined, as always, by my husband, the funny Josh Desch. Hey, folks. Hey, everybody. Hey there. We just thought we'd mix it up today. Yep. I've never kicked off this podcast since it's like an Uno. the inception. It's like an Uno where you do a reverse. Yeah. You love to reverse. You reversed it on us today. Totally. Yeah, so yeah. you're kicking us off. So we're in for a great episode today, folks, we hope. Uh, the title is, Who is Catechizing Our Kids? Mm, that's a compelling question, Betsy. Yeah. Who is catechizing our kids? But do I even know what the word catechizing means? I don't know if I do. Yeah, catechism is not a word that we use very often. Um, it's yeah. a very churchy word. I actually do know what it means, but anyway. Do you want to give us the definition? Okay, so um, catechesis, catechism, catechizing, they are all words and they all mean, uh, if you just were to Google dictionary definition... Catechism is a summary of the principles of Christian religion in the form of questions and answers, hmm. okay? So in the Presbyterian tradition, we have something called the Westminster Shorter Catechism and Larger Catechism, right, mm-hmm. Bets? Mm-hmm. And if you grew up in a Presbyterian church, you probably heard that one or two times. Mm-hmm. You know, the What bi- is the chief end of man? That is always the big one. We yep. don't let you through the doors here. Yep. If you can, I mean, just say, get it. No, we don't really say that. We <laughs> There's never, also... We would never say that, but that is the quintessential Presbyterian that's question. Right. What is there's also the Heidelberg Catechism. Um, yeah, I can't one. remember question one in that, but anyway, there's... I grew up in a Lutheran school, actually. My grade school years were spent in a Lutheran school, so we learned... Um, I mean, I don't remember any of it now, but I know we went through the catechism um, written by Martin Luther. That's right. Mm-hmm. So this... The, so catechism is an ancient form of instruction. Mm -hmm. It's an ancient way of uh, imparting knowledge, belief to the younger generation. Now, is this what the Socratic method, is that the same thing? Is that sort of back and forth? I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit different. But the idea is, in other words, you're not just stating a fact. You're also, you're asking a question. You're trying to draw out a response. Right. Right. So circling back to our title for today, who is catechizing our kids? What do we mean by catechizing our kids? What do we mean by who is doing that? Well, this is huge because, um, first of all, let me make this point. Every child is being catechized by something because every kid is a sponge that is soaking up information, ideas, impressions of the world, and they are forming something called a worldview, which when they enter their adult years, they are going to have particular ideas about different things. They're going to have ideas about the church. They're going to have ideas about Jesus. They're going to have ideas about morality. They're going to have ideas about sexuality. All of these things are um, a part of the shaping of a person. We went through it. Mm -hmm. And you could say to a degree that adults um, continue to be catechized because adult thinking certainly can change. Sure. But our focus today is more on when you're younger and you're really in the process of forming your identity and figuring out what you think about the world. Yeah. So when we're talking about who is catechizing our kids, what we're getting after is where are they learning, like you said, where we where are they learning about purpose and meaning and identity and who's telling them about what is the good life? What are they after? Can I use a Latin word sure. for the first time ever on this podcast Sure. so that I can sound smart? There's something called the summum bonum. Wow. Yeah. How'd you like that? Those two Latin words <laughs> two for, two for the price of one. That was awesome. Okay. Actually, our son took two years of Latin, and I hear that if you take Latin, you're better at English because of the root, right? Yeah, I've heard that. You know, when mm-hmm. you're saying a lot. But anyway, that phrase means the highest good. 
So there is this been this great Western tradition of saying, um, what is the highest good? Really, this is the way that I've traditionally heard it asked. What is the good life? Mm-hmm. That is a huge question. What is the good life? What constitute a, constitutes a life that has been lived well? Mm-hmm. What's the point of life is another way to put that. Mm-hmm. So this is big, folks. That's right. Well, some guy named Tim Keller, who uh, started some church in New York City called Redeemer. We love Tim Keller. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows that on the podcast. What caught our eye bets was we saw this article. And and here is the headline of the article. And then we want to read some of the contents of the article, some of the things Keller said and interact with them. All right, here's the headline of the article. In culture pushing gospel without God, Sunday school isn't enough for Christian kids, Tim Keller says. Mm. So Tim Keller is telling us, folks, Sunday school is not enough. Now, Bets, does that mean that's, that Sunday school is bad? No. No, Sunday school, not. it's not bad. No, but it's good. But is it enough? Is it sufficient? Yeah, I think the point he's making is that our modern culture is evangelizing our kids and grandkids and catechizing them through various means. So it's interesting in this, he's taking these church words like evangelizing and catechizing and kind of turning them on their heads to mean the opposite of how we usually use them. Yeah, exactly. In other words, uh, the culture's doing this too. Now, um, you remember the show like Leave It to Beaver? And sort of those, some, yes. of, some of those old school shows. Sure. You know, I Love Lucy and all that. Oh, yeah. You know, part of, and there's just some great shows there. Mm-hmm. Lucy, you still love Lucy. I do. But, She's so um, funny. But, you know, some of it, when you, when you watch those shows, you can tell they're coming out of a different cultural time, right? Yes, There's absolutely. different values. There's different standards. There's well, and, more, and humor has changed. Humor's, oh, humor's changed like Tremendously. crazy. I don't, mm-hmm. was irony a thing like 50 years ago? Yeah, like I don't Napoleon know Dynamite is not funny to, well, no. that's not funny to a lot of people, but. <laughs> yeah, it's just a different kind of humor. <laughs> Very different kind but, of humor. But here, here's my point. Here's my point. As you go back, you watch those, it's almost like there was a, um, you know, in, in that time, in that era, that you imagine you could even see on a TV show where they would depict people going to church, going to Sunday school. And that's that's what you did. That's what right. so many people did. And at the time, I could see somebody making a case of like, you know what, if I bring my kids to church and I take my kids to Sunday school, um, that's really what my job is as a parent. I don't really need to do much more than that. That's when they're taught about God. And then we sort of live in a culture with Christian values. Well, however much a person buys into that conception of 50 years ago, it's definitely not the case now. That's right. That, and that's that's what Keller's trying to say to us. He's just saying, Christians, you got to wake up. You got to think. You got to realize w- where we are in this cultural moment um, and that you can't just rely on Sunday school. Mm-hmm. So, Beth, can I give you a quote from the article? Sure. All right. Timmy K., we don't, if I, if I actually met him, I'd be like, Dr. Keller. But <laughs> Tim, Timmy K., uh, as we like to name. call him in the Dash household, he says this. This is a quote from this article. This came from a conference he was at. But he said, um, right here, and I quote, roughly speaking, every other culture always taught that the truth is something outside me. It could be family, God, dying for my country. And to be a person of honor and worth, authenticity, you had to find that truth and align your feelings with the truth. Okay, in other words, his first statement is, truth is not inside of you, it's out there. Right. It's an external thing. Back to the quote. Now the understanding is, truth is inside you. You go inside to find the great depths, and then you come out and you tell everybody else that you have now to, that you now have to accommodate me, unquote, says Keller. Mm-hmm. So this is... And he's actually, he's actually saying this is the first time, and, and he's an incredible um, 
intellectual and researcher, he's actually saying this has never happened before. Mm-hmm. That that in all of human history, there has never been a time where people looked more inward for identity than than uh, than looking outward. Yep. Right. Yeah. It's all so, about the journey and you know um, staying true to yourself and finding out who you are. That's what it's that, all about. That's that's like the highest good. Right. So so let me go on. I'm going to go back to a few more things he says here. Here's another one. So Keller's saying, what that means is that we're the first culture, not only that does not believe there's a truth out there, it's all subjective. Also, it's the first culture that doesn't just think Christians are wrong, but that they are the problem. Mm. So Christians are the problem. And he, he goes on to make a point that the culture is actually actively trying to evangelize Christians to uh, throw off our beliefs because they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. And um, and actually, this is a really striking statement, Beth, so I want to know, hear what you think about this. He says this. Again, one more quote here. Modern secular people are actually saying the thing we need to be saved from is the idea we need to be saved. <laughs> the thing we need, re- uh, we need redemption from is the idea that we need redemption. So mm-hmm. here's the deal. If I want to... Um, if I want to embrace the craziest lifestyle on the planet, right? This is our culture nowadays. Okay. As long as our culture, of course, would still say, I can't go kill a person. I can't steal your car or something like that. But my personal identity, I can, it can be the craziest thing on the planet. I can say I believe in who knows whatever. And the worst thing that you can say to me is that what I think is wrong and the worst thing you can say to me is that I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. That's like the worst sin. There's you, that, that makes you the worst person on the planet if you tell me that I might be wrong. That's right. Because I can't be true to myself if you tell me that I'm being wrong. That's right. Yeah, so he, he says that um, the secular culture wants to evangelize Christians away from this notion of thinking that we need to be saved from something. Yeah, so that's that's big. So mm-hmm. so Betts, um, he goes on to uh, give these different narratives. Would you walk the audience through these different narratives? Yeah, this part was really fascinating, and um, I think it's really easy to kind of um, grasp what he's talking about here. And we can all think of a lot of examples that illustrate what he's talking about. So again, just to quote this article, and we will put this article on um, the show notes on our website. Um, so here I go. While much of the teachings of modern modern secularists are incoherent, Keller said, their many subjective narratives are being pushed heavily on Christian youth who need more innovative protections beyond traditional Protestant catechisms to respond. So Keller's going to talk about um, Charles Taylor. He's a philosopher who wrote um, a really significant book called The Secular Age. Mm-hmm. It which... sold like seven copies. It's huge. <laughs> I, I own one of the seven copies. You own I, it on Audible. I own it on Audible. That's true. Now that I cannot see. I mean, sometimes with audiobooks, my mind just drifts. I'll be yeah, honest. It's like 45 hours. It's crazy. Yeah. I think that would be a very hard one to listen to on audio, but who knows? <laughs> so anyway. I'm hoping, I'm, I'm hoping I get smart enough one day because this guy's really like a mind for the ages. I yeah, mean, he's so a, he's insightful. A, he's a genius. Absolutely. Yep. So here we go. What Charles Taylor, um, so this is Keller again. Charles Taylor, great philosopher Charles, Charles Taylor, says that secularism moves forward not with argument, but by saying things that are axiomatically taken as just truth. So for example, he would say, he calls them closed world structures, but I, meaning 
Tim Keller's the one speaking here. I call them narratives. The identity narrative is you got to be true to yourself. You have to look inside, see who you are, and be true to yourself. The happiness narrative is you should never sacrifice your happiness for anybody else. The freedom narrative is that as long as I'm not harming somebody, I should be actually free to live my life the way I choose. And he goes on to talk about the truth narrative, that all truth claims are socially constructed, and yet science is our salvation. And then he talks about the morality claim, that all morality is socially constructed, and yet we need to work for justice. So Charles Taylor says that these claims are not arguments. In fact, they're kind of incoherent, but they're put out there as religious faith assumptions. And because of the social media, Keller says, they are put on you as a given, and only evil people disagree with them. Yeah, so let me give an example of this in our society. Um, Most people, whether you are on the right or you're on the left, whether you're a conservative, a Democrat, uh, whatever it is, you would say, um, I think we should fight for justice, right, Bets? Absolutely. I mean, who's going to be like, I love injustice, yay. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. people, you're, you're not supposed to, or if you do think that, hopefully you're too ashamed to say it. Mm-hmm. But, in, you know, and of course today we've had um, so many things with, with racial unrest and so forth. But um, let's take what uh, Taylor's saying. He's saying the modern culture just says, yeah, you should, you should uh, fight for justice. But what's... What's the uh, basis for that? Right. That you know, you go back to the civil rights era. Martin Luther King Jr. He built that on a biblical foundation. That's right. The biblical foundation for justice is everybody's made in God's image. Amen. Um, there's right and wrong. It's outside of yourself. There's actually no secular and some. There are a few secular people honest enough to admit this, and they'll just say at the end of the day, they'll just be like, "Look, we have to just invent morality." But there are a few people who will be at the end of the day, they'll be like, "You know what? You're right." In a totally secular world, there is no reason to not be racist, mm-hmm. to not be um, bigoted, to not uh, think violence is okay, That's right. um, to not think that uh, assault or, or what, whatever deviant act that we all would you know, be repulsed by, there's actually no foundation in secular thought mm-hmm. um, aside from just like some social agreement. But we Christians are like, no, I'll tell you why God made this person. That's why I can't be a racist mm-hmm. because everybody's made in God's image. Mm-hmm. I'm no different from that person over there. But in our secular culture, there's not, they just assume it. That's right. Okay. And now the justice one's easy because we can all get on board with that. But then there's things like sexuality, where again, they're not arguing, they're just assuming, Mm -hmm. they're just making a case, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and I love the line that says, um, they are put on you as a given and only evil people disagree with them. Oh, sure. You know, and that's so true. You're just going to be shouted down as a bigot, as a fool, as a whatever. Yeah, so I think some of these are, um, some of these narratives that I um, read, you know, the identity narrative, the happiness narrative, the freedom narrative, the truth narrative, and the morality claim. Um, I think we can really see how our kids come across these. This is hilarious. So one day I was doing something at home. Right now I'm homeschooling our younger three kids. And so, um, you know, sometimes they put on a show while I'm doing something else. So they like the show called DuckTales. It's on it's Disney+. Plus. That's has been around. I watched DuckTales. It has, yeah. yeah. Well, I think this is reinvented it DuckTales. It is reinvented. Yeah. Um, this is DuckTales for today's kids. Um, but anyway, they, they like the show. So I wasn't sitting with them, but I guess I, I didn't have headphones on or anything. So I could hear what, what, um, what was on the show. And this was so hilarious. This was, you know, when they wrap up cartoons at the end, they always end with these cheesy giggles and, you know, there's this neat little, I feel like in every show, there's this neat little phrase that like 
just ties a bow on it or something. Anyway, so one day in DuckTales, I thought it was so funny. I actually wrote it down and I... um, the last line of the show was, when you're true to yourself, everything works out like it should. And I just, I just <laughs> said to our kids, hold on. <laughs> They're like, mom, we're trying to watch the commercial. Yeah. And I was like, wait a That's second. Like, uh-uh. Teaching moment. That is ridiculous. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. But it's so, but these kind of things are everywhere where, you know, we're told it, you know that I'm going to beat the Disney drum because I always beat the Disney drum. And that is not to say I don't love Disney because I do, but you know, how many Disney movies are all about find who you are and don't let anyone stop you and be true to yourself. You know, this is how, this is what Tim Keller is talking about. This is how um, our kids can form these ideas that we don't even know where they came sure. from necessarily. I would say this, there's actually a narrative in most shows, right? Mm-hmm. Like we might just think there's, there's just mindless uh, entertainment, but the writers are actually pushing an agenda. Um, I don't know how, I don't think they go into every episode and say, ooh, we're going to indoctrinate yeah, kids today. Right. But it's their worldview. But world- it just comes out. Well, it's because yeah. it comes out of their worldview. Right. That's what those writers actually believe. Right. So that's a hilarious example. Oh, it's so give, funny. I'll give you a serious one, though. Right now, it's being litigated in the courts. Here's where the freedom narrative and the morality narrative don't even work together. The freedom narrative says, I can be whoever I want to be. So um, just because I was born, and of course, gender is such a big thing right now, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was born, um, I was assigned to gender, but gender is really my own self-conception. And then the morality narrative says we should be fair, right? So there's a real debate right now going on. It's actually in the courts about, let's say, a person that's born biologically male says I identify as a female and I want to run in track and field as a female. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a scientific fact that if you are biologically male, you have more testosterone, you have more muscle, um, and you have you have advantages that, that we can like prove scientifically right. that you have advantages. And so there's two sides. There's one side that says, um, and this isn't even a Christian debate, this is just a societal debate. One side says, it's absolutely wrong to say to someone who identifies as female um, that you can't compete uh, in, a, in female track and field. But then another side is saying, but wait a second, that's not fair to people born biologically female who are training their butts off and who who have a disadvantage. Mm. And and so um, you know, and there's you can read all this stuff online. You can read the lawsuits and the debates and the court rulings. But my point is, these narratives they don't even necessarily cohere with each other, mm-hmm. right? That's and right. That's what we would expect because they're not from God's word. Yeah, that's right. So so moving on, you know, we see the issues. We see how they're illustrated. Um, what are we to do as Christian parents, as Christian grandparents, as uh, believers who, who love children? What, what are we to do? Yeah, so um, Keller gives us um, some wise advice here. I want to read one more quote from Pastor Keller here. He said this, um, and again, he said this about catechiz- catechizing sort of the way we're used to doing, doing it. We're giving, uh, we're giving kids these abstract abstract kinds of doctrine that were formulated three or 400 years ago. I wouldn't change the doctrine, he says. The Bible is the Bible. It's all the same doctrine. But how you present it has got to change. Otherwise, we are not really inoculating our kids to the culture. We're not forming them as Christians. Hmm. Okay, so this is really powerful. What he's saying is, we're so used to, a lot of times, we're, we're used to giving our kids these these truth statements, but 
we're not necessarily putting it in language they can understand, Mm -hmm. right? We're not really reaching them. Yeah, that's right. We're not actually, another thing Keller says is we're not actually teaching our kids in a way that we are helping them analyze the culture. Um, So I think, you know, we have to take biblical truth and help them to see how does this apply to my world today, to what I'm encountering, to what my friends say, to what I see on social media. How does biblical truth address that? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a challenge, but I think it's also kind of a fun challenge. To, it is fun to, to recognize. Yeah, to, to to recognize that, especially as the culture moves more and more away from our values, to more and more bring a critical uh, eye to things, and to say. Um, you know, this is what this narrative is. And I know mm-hmm. this narrative, like DuckTales, is promising you everything, <laughs> but it's actually, you know what? Those things, at the end of the day, they're going to disappoint you. Mm. And, and here's how Jesus satisfies your heart. Mm. Just want to share this, Bets, from the Pew Research Center. This is from 2019, so it's probably already a little outdated. Found that as of 2019, 65% of Americans now identify as Christian while those who identify as religiously unaffiliated, which includes atheists, agnostics, and people who don't identify with any religion, is now up to 26% of the population. We are following the path of Europe within mm-hmm. our lifetime, okay? I'm gonna, in fact, I'm gonna say, in the next 15 years, we're gonna be down to 50%. That's my prediction. Mm-hmm. 50% of America is not gonna say it's Christian. We're already, I mean, we are marching there, folks. We're 15% away. This this was a 12 percentage point decline from 10 years ago. Mm. So let's just say we continue on this same trajectory, Bets, 15 years from now, 50% of the country does not identify as Christian. That's a big change. Mm-hmm. So is. we, we got to be aware of it. Yeah, we got to be aware. Um, and so I guess what what we want to do to wrap up today, how can we, as, as Tim Keller says, how can we inoculate our kids to the culture? Like, you know that's kind of a um, that's kind of an, an idea that lives up in the clouds. Can, let, let's try to put some meat on the bones and um, you know talk about how can we actually do this. Yeah, that's it's huge. Here's here's one thing that God put on my heart as I was thinking about this episode. We cannot simply give our kids truth truth statements like um, Jesus is God. God made you. I mean, that that's good. They need to hear and those the, Yeah, things. they need that too. Of course, that's the foundation. But, but we, not stopping there. We can't stop there. We mm-hmm. have to say Christianity is a whole way of viewing life. It's mm-hmm. a com- it's honestly, it's a competing narrative. Right. If, if so the DuckTales narrative is over here, follow your heart, find freedom, Christianity is presenting a different narrative. And what we want to do is we want to say, look, Here's a different narrative. Here's a different way you could view life. It's actually beautiful and wonderful, and and we believe it's true, mm-hmm. and it's the only thing that will really satisfy you. This is the story you need to embrace. That's right. Not this story over here. That's right. I love that. Yeah, one thing that came to my mind was um, actually looking inward. What kind of example do I set for my own kids? I'm, I, I will say, growing up, um, I grew up with believing parents, and at Pretty much every morning when I came down the stairs, my dad was reading his Bible in his chair, same chair. He still sits there today. Uh, When we go back to visit, he still reads in that same chair. And my mom was reading her Bible in their bedroom. That was pretty much the case every morning when I woke up. And, you know, I didn't think anything of that now, but what a powerful example that was to me as a child and as I've grown to say, wow, these are... um, 
These are people who take their faith seriously, who, who are looking um, not only to have the, the biblical knowledge, but also how does this relate to my everyday life? And um, so anyway, that ties into what kind of example do we set for our children? You know, are we setting um, a, a good example for them of people who are really following after the Lord? And I, I'm the first one to, to examine myself with that question. Um, so I think it, it, it starts really close to home to say, are we encouraging them in the ways of the Lord and telling them their identity? Your identity is you're a child of God. That's what your identity is. Um, and encouraging them to grow as a Christian and not just to pursue, you know, athletics and arts and, and all the, all the things that we can do, which are all good things. But, um, what's the most important thing to us as parents, I guess? It's a great question. Great question. Intentionality Mm -hmm. is the word that comes to my mind. Can I ask you a lighthearted question before we wrap up? Sure. Should we ban ducktails in our house? (laughs) You know, isn't that's one of the parts when you get older, you're like, remember my parents wouldn't let me do this, this, and this. If you grew up in a Christian house. Oh yeah. My parents wouldn't let me watch the Smurfs and several others. No, I don't think we need to ban. satanic. Just kidding. I don't know actually, but (laughs) that's what have you been reading? Tell us what you've been reading. Um, well, so I have kind of a uh, a book that might step on a few toes. So I am Mm-mm. currently I'm reading. I'm curling my toes in right now. <laughs> I'm currently reading and engaging in the 40 Day Sugar Fast. So this is written by a woman named Wendy Speak. And it's really, really good. I mean, I know when we've already attacked Facebook on this podcast, and now we're going after your sugar. So I'm just kidding. Are you going to attack like kittens next week? (laughs) (laughs) No, totally kidding. Um, But anyway, the the point of the book is if you feel like sugar is something you run to um, out of boredom or out of stress or whatever, as, as I have over the course of my life, it's actually really helpful. Her point is helping you to focus those um, in, in those times on finding fulfillment in the Lord rather than sugar. So cool. Um, cool. it's a really good book, very convicting, and uh, it's been great. So um, you're doing the fast right now, aren't I you? I am. I, mean, I am. Yep. Great. So it's been it's been really good. And even over Halloween, I did not eat one single piece of Halloween candy. That is the first time in my life. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. It, it was it was hard. Cause yeah. and there's still, I mean, our kids have an obscene amount of candy. And then they ate it really fast, which I'm is kind of I'm just amazed that Halloween happened this year. Yeah, that's wow. right. That's right. Cool. Well, Bets, <laughs> tell our audience where they can find us on Facebook. Yeah. So if you want to look for us on Facebook, our Facebook group. Uh, just search Intersect Podcast, and you can, um, you know, just see what's going on. We did uh, post that funny dog video we talked about in the last episode, mm. so uh, just check us out for that kind of stuff on Instagram. We are at Intersect Podcast, and our website is uh, anyprez.com slash podcasts, and we will post this article from Tim Keller, um, so check us out. God bless everybody. See you next time.